is it restrictive, the BEAM protocol, or is it choosing wellness? Because there's a very big difference. And I think the difference for me is how it makes me feel. BEAM protocol is limiting the things that are coming in, sure, which could be termed as restrictive, but it also brings a sense of calm and peace with it because I don't feel like I'm death gripping the restrictive, like I'm, I'm not holding on so tight before I explode again. Hello and welcome to the Your Great Podcast. I created this space for those seeking tools and inspiration along their path of healing. When this comes out, we will be in the new year. And I would just like to encourage everybody to take a moment, if you haven't already, and contemplate what you are dedicated to health-wise in the new year. One of the things that has kept me on my path once I healed, because let's be honest, healing isn't a destination, it is a dedication, an ongoing one. And it's not one of perfection, but of persistence. So for me, once I reached my health goal of going into remission, I kind of had an emotional garage sale where I was like, wow, now what? Do I go for the socially acceptable idea of balance? Do I keep going? What do I do? And I kind of like for a year messed around with adding things in, caffeine, some sugar, alcohol, whatever, in small amounts, never leaving my protocol. But after that year, I just noticed a feeling of ick unwellness, something I couldn't put my finger on. And because I'd worked so hard for my health, I realized, no, ick wasn't going to be okay for me. And so I tightened my resolve and went to a 90-10. But I have to say what really, what really guides my day-to-day action of showing up for my health is my big North Star my big goal, which is no flares for life. And for a person with Crohn's, if you're listening, you know, every doctor will tell you, once diagnosed with Crohn's, you'll have flares for the rest of your life. You see, I like the impossible. It actually kind of motivates me. It's the rebel in me, I think, that goes, oh, so you think I'm going to have flares for the rest of my life? Well, I'm going to take care of myself so well that I'm going to prove you wrong and In the process, I'm going to live a fantastic, healthy life. So my big North Star is no flares for life. So maybe this is an amazing opportunity. If you've reached certain health goals, weight goals, whatever it is that you're working on, maybe now is a wonderful time to consider a bigger goal. What is going to keep you on the path of health and wellness where you are prioritizing your most precious commodity, your incredible health. So once we heal, it's really easy to get distracted and to forget how far we've come. Having that big North Star reminds me and keeps me on path of exactly where I want to go and how I want to show up every day for my body. It is an ongoing dedication. It is a lifestyle. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Laura today as she shares her healing story and her amazing dedication, but not only that, her awareness and her kindness and her honesty and her ability to so clearly share her story and where she's been and where she is now. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Laura, if you're listening, thank you for sharing your story. 
Laura, welcome to the Your Great Podcast. Thank you so much for wanting to share your healing story. These are an honor for me to share because I I know what it takes to put yourself out there. And as we were talking before I hit record, is that in your own life, you choose to who gets to hear your healing story. And when you put it on a podcast, whoever finds this podcast gets to hear your healing story, which is why it is such a gift and why I'm so thankful that you are brave enough to share your story because as you were saying, you're every woman. And I felt the same way, even though not everybody has Crohn's. When I got sick with Crohn's, I wasn't anybody special. And what it took for me to heal kind of transformed me into who I am today. And I think that's the the beauty of choosing to heal ourselves is kind of this interesting path of coming home to ourselves. So thank you so much for coming today. I'm so I'm so grateful to be here. I think like I shared with you before, I just so grateful for the work you're doing and how you're so courageous in putting yourself out there. And and I just I'm excited to be able to share part of my story just because, like I said, I'm I'm nothing special in how I got to this place. But I think I've struggled with just about everything someone in our age is struggling with. And I just think the solution that I found through you and through Karen's work has given me a simple solution to what I thought was just a very complex, very just, I was wrong. Something was wrong with me. And, and, and your, this path has shown me that that's not true. And coming back to myself has been like the greatest gift I have ever received and taken for my, for my life, for my family. It's just been really amazing. And that was, you hit on something and thank you, but you hit on something that is so important to me. I didn't change my whole life because, you know, I was like, oh, I want to change the world. My after I healed, I was like, I need everybody to know about this thing. You know, I need this to be an option. I need women, men too, but women. I felt like most protocols out there were kind of in support of male health to some extent. And I feel like this is in honor of all health, but I feel like it's one of the most female friendly protocols. You know, it supports hormone metabolism and detoxification naturally without having to put your body through so much stress and detox and and these intense things that are out there that as a California, of course, I did them all. But, you know, and it's 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 gentle and nourishing and and just wonderful. I'm really happy that you found it and that, you know, when I found it, I was deep into my healing journey, very unsuccessful to that point of three years before her book found me. And it was like a needle in the haystack. So for me, the passion to help others was also the passion to make this available, where if somebody Googles me or Karen or the Bean Protocol, so much comes up. And that was like the drive. I'm like, you don't have to choose it, but I want you to know it's there. Absolutely. Well, I think there's a softness to the Bean Protocol that so many other things are missing. And like you, I've tried everything. I mean, I did all of the strict protocols and the paleos and the no carbs, low carbs. Like I've over-exercised to to manage this body I was given and to try to control it in ways that felt like I had power over it. And it's really, and you've said this in other podcasts, but like it's a surrendering. The being protocol was a surrender. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was like this last thing I would have ever expected to work. It's this little bean and like, you know, how could I say that this was going to do this magical thing for me. And then what started off as just eating 
more soluble fiber and more beans and following this protocol became this like miraculous unfolding of all these other things that I've been waiting for my entire life to just feel that softness towards myself, a forgiveness, a, a coming home. Like it just unfolded into this thing that I, I can't even describe it. It makes me emotional because I just mm. feel like for the first time I'm steady mm. and I'm okay and I'm, I'm happy to exist in this body for the first time. And I think that's what women were all searching for or, and men too, but like we're all existing in this really hard world and to be a soft landing for myself for the first time, that's what this gave me. This gave me a space to just come home and to listen instead of just dictating and firing off commands. And it's just, it's allowed this opening that, you know, improved the things I was hoping it would improve, but it improved other spaces too in my mental health and my emotional health and, you know, my marriage and my relationships with others. Like, it's had this reach that I just, you would have, if you asked me a year ago, if a bean was going to give me all these things I was looking for, I would tell you, you're crazy. But it has. And, and I want to like shout it from the rooftops. It's miraculous. That's the only thing I have for it is like, I've been on this journey for, I would say 25 years oh. of fighting against my body and making it bend to my will. And these last, I would say, it's been close to a year, but really six months of being very dedicated to this protocol. Like I got in six months what I've been chasing for 25, for 25 years. Wow. That's, that's what it gave me. And like, you know, I just, I just think it's been, I want everyone to know about it just like you, because I think there's just so much personal power that's come from taking back my own health and, and body. And to realize that you don't have to Force your body into something that by just simply supporting it, supporting it in what it, because our bodies are magnificent, right? They, it knows how to take care of us if we can learn how to take care of it and be in this relationship together instead of you do what I want you to do or, you know, I'm going to throw all these things at you, but I'm, I'm not really owning this journey because I'm not. I'm I'm changing habits, but I'm reverting back to habits. I'm kind of all over the place. And and then the body's all over the place with us. It's really mirroring our erratic kind of unsteady behavior in an interesting way, right? So I know mine was, I'll speak for myself, but I was erratic. I was all over the place. I was feast or famine. I was either working out all the time or not working at all. I was either eating all the time healthy or I was not eating healthy at all. Like I had these, these very, you know, erratic kind of patterns and my body was suffering at my own hand without me really understanding that. Yeah. So healing or choosing to change habits and and create better habits is is a is a very mature thing to do as well. And we and I guess that's something we can talk about is like I spent I I, I didn't contemplate maturity. What is maturity? Maturity isn't an age. Maturity is the willingness to take responsibility for ourselves and the willingness to step up for that responsibility and what we want to create, right? So if we're okay living in a neurotic body, then we'll continue to do as we please and not really consider the health of our body. But as I matured, I realized I don't want to be at, in a body that's at war or that I'm at war with. I want to find and, and support this, this synchronicity between us where I take care of you and you take care of me and we live in harmony instead of freaking out. Like, what's going on with my body? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's a huge amount of fear. Like, we just carry around all this fear. And and I think it was you who first spoke and that really resonated with this idea about maturity around our health. I never looked at it that way. I always was like, 
why can't I stick to things? Like why, you know, and it was coming from a place of like, you're failing, you can't hang on to this, whatever thing I was going after. And that term of maturity was the first time I kind of heard it framed that way. And it was, I think, your healing story that you shared that really spoke to that. And I, looking at it from that perspective, it was like, oh man, I've been approaching this as like a child. It's so immature and impatient. And I just had no, no grace for myself to allow it to, to let the magic work. And, and that maturity of being like, okay, you know, that, that piece of cake or that cup of coffee sounds really good, but I'm going to choose me and my wellness over here instead. And like, I never heard it phrased that way, but that's how it feels is when I'm choosing that I'm not, I'm not restricting, I'm being mature and I'm choosing, I'm choosing wellness. And, and that's something I have fought for. I would say 25 years now, like since I was in my early teens, that restrictive mindset, like, and that's messed with me a lot. And I've swung from restricting to over consuming and, you know, from doing too little movement to too much. And there was just never that, that balance to see something through with consistency. And I really think that that maturity factor was like, not because I'm 38, but it's because I finally going to settle in and sink in and choose this thing long term versus like, you know, bouncing around to every other thing that pops up on the internet. So it was just, yeah, maturity is bit, I would say the thing that goes with the bean protocol the most, because <laughs> what's more mature than saying no thank you to something that's destroying you in the name of wellness versus punishment or, you know, restriction. And I think we only find that what's what is hurting us by committing to getting rid of it for a while, because then you can feel your body without whatever it is that you feel like is is perpetuating the imbalance in your body. And it's only when we get curious, you know, for me, I knew caffeine was not great for me. It lit up my nervous system. I was in fight or flight. My heart race, I fell out of my body. I didn't feel in my body in that state where I was fighting this anxiety. And I was already an anxious person. And so part of me drinking coffee was me also feeling like I had control over my anxiety. It's like, oh, I'm causing the anxiety, so it's mine, like, versus it's just happening to me all the time. And and right. to be honest, it was just happening to me all the time. But maturity, to me, the maturity point is the capacity to say, I am prioritizing what I want most over what I want right now. And it's that capacity to prioritize what you want most on the journey, especially of healing or rebalancing one's body or even creating a relationship with our body for the first time of going, I do want that coffee and I do want that thing, but I want this more right now. And I'm okay saying no to this because I want this. And, you know, I, having come from a disordered background with food, I don't love to call things good or bad. They just yeah. are. They're either contributing to your health journey and getting you where that you want to go or they're not. They're not anything other than that. And so to me, that's also maturity. It's like, oh, I want to feel this way in my body and doing what I'm doing is creating that result for myself. So I'm going to keep doing this thing that's creating this result that I really want. Absolutely. I've struggled enormously with disordered eating since, again, my early teens. So it's been like this 25-year battle. And I think it was, it's in working through that, I came across thinking that, okay, when you're in your disordered behavior, you're in your brain, you're in your mind. But when you're not in the disordered behavior, you're back in your body. And that's something that the BEAM protocol and that work has overlapped significantly because the BEAM protocol got me to settle everything down. And so mm -hmm. there was no caffeine, there's no sugar, 
you know, your body's finally no longer in that fight or flight and that anxiety starts to come down. And in doing that, I can start to hear the things from my body that I was ignoring for the whole other part of my life. My brain was in high gear and I was micromanaging my anxiety and my stress, but I was doing that through thought and not through listening. And I was doing that through control. And I felt like the work of loving my body and and not and getting settled into that space overlapped with the beam protocol really well because it forced me to listen again. And I could hear the things that were like, you know, when I would slip and say, you know what, I'm going to have that cup of coffee. All of a sudden, my body was lighting up with all kinds of messages that I would have never heard before. And I finally got to hear the things I've been missing the whole time that led to all the disordered behavior to begin with. And so that's something I've kind of carried with me. Like when I go back into my headspace and I start overanalyzing and over communicating and thinking too much about food, I'm like, oh, we are not in the safe space and I have to drop down and settle into the body. And that's when I'm like, there's that peace, there's that steadiness and that calmness. But I think we, so many of us operate so often at that very high level and we just miss all the other things that come with the steadiness and the calm and the, and the maturity that leads us there. So it's just, it's been, a, I think, a beautiful combination of that work to kind of settle in and be able to say goodbye to the disordered behavior, which was all caused by sugar, caffeine, you know, like that all led me there. It took it all out naturally. And it was like, a, it was able to just settle in and be comfortable for the first, first time in a, in a long time. And I think we're all so many of us, I think the people who find you are all the people who are riding up here, you know, for a very long time. And, and then it just takes us a while to kind of all the symptoms to kind of figure out what's happening. So. Well said. There's also this, we're such good problem solvers that when you spend so much time in your head, you become always looking for the next way to solve the problem. So you'll start this diet for a little while, do that, jump off, go back to old habits, then look for the next way to solve the problem. And it's almost like that can become the addiction in itself is like how to solve the problem or how to solve this thing. And oh, maybe that's the new thing and that's going to solve it. And and almost like I never gave things a chance before I got sick. I never gave things a chance to really work because I was like, you know, I think there's a certain amount for most women of being conditioned up in the mind by skinny culture, right? Lose five pounds, gain five pounds. Lose 10 pounds, gain 10 pounds. It's like this yo-yo back and forth because you restrict and then you expand and then you restrict and then you work out and you lose the weight for that wedding or that function and then you gain it all back. And instead of maturity, creating a lifestyle plan, not a diet. So I was on one plan and then I transitioned into the longevity plan and then the longevity plan doesn't have the same guidelines as a healing plan, right? I added a lot back into my diet after I healed my autoimmune disorder and my periods. And now I live a longevity plan. I live well. I sleep well. I wake up well. I'm steady. I'm calm. I was addicted to the highs and lows of my life before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the that's the word I keep telling my husband is steady. I've never felt steady a day in my life. Like I didn't know how much anxiety I was carrying until I felt what steadiness was like. And I'm like, what is this? This is so weird. But I just don't feel as like revved up all the time. And I live a high stress life. I'm a, a, a spouse of a first responder. Like we are constantly going all the time. But like for the first time, I've been able to sink in. And I think you're right. We're constantly trying to solve the problems. And like I've created the problems for myself so many times over and over. And it's like if I could just stick with something 
And I think that's where the plan was really helpful because it was like the three months, give it three months and see what happens. And so like I could, I wasn't on this forever in my head when I first started. It was like, okay, I can do this for three months. And I started with your your e-course and I think it was eight weeks that it started. I'm like, I can do anything for eight weeks. Like how many times have I done an eight week plan? But I felt like it was doable and it was a safe thing to commit to initially that was like, okay, I don't have to do this forever. Let's just see what eight weeks look like. And to be totally honest, that first eight weeks, I didn't have caffeine all the way out. Like I, it took me way longer to get caffeine out than, than I expected. I would have told you six months ago that I love the taste of coffee. It's my favorite thing. I was really snobby about what kind of coffee we were drinking. <laughs> and I would have told you I'm not addicted to it. I just enjoy the flavor and the r- ritual. And then it took me like, I want to say three months just to transition off to a full decaf. Like it took me a long time. I went back and forth and back and forth. And I got to decaf and I did decaf for a little while. And then somewhere like around another two months, I had no interest in coffee at all. Not even in the decaf, not in tea, nothing. And I was like, oh, I might have been addicted to the caffeine. Just a little. <laughs> I had no idea. I really was so sold on. I just loved it. But once you took the caffeine out, you took the hit I was getting from it. I don't, I don't make decaf and the flavor hasn't changed. I don't make it anymore because I have no interest. But that took a long time. So when I was in your full eight weeks, all in on the beans, I still wasn't all in because the caffeine wasn't totally out. So, but by then, I did that eight weeks and the caffeine was slowly coming out. It was then that I was like, oh, I need to see this another section of time, like without fully. And I've heard you say like, you're not really on the bean protocol until the caffeine is all the way out. And that was in my head. And so I carried that into another. And like, it was like magic happened in those second eight weeks because it was the caffeine was out. The sugar had been out for a while. I've been, you know, I've been sober for a couple of years. So like that wasn't a factor. But then it was just like, that steadiness didn't come until it was like I was all in. And then it's been since then that longevity part, like I, if I start feeling like I've pulled myself off the path a little bit and I'm not feeling it, my body speaks to me really, really fast now. I can immediately start coming back closer to the healing plan, coming back more towards 100% for a couple of weeks. And, and then I can, you know, have some more fruit here and there. But like I'm, I'm still strict. The caffeine is still out because I now just I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to have to do that again and wean myself off. And it's just amazing how it, I think it's a really smart part of how you have framed the, the healing portion because it's like it's not a huge commitment. Anyone can do something for eight to 12 weeks. Like we can all do that. And if you can stick out those 12 weeks or eight weeks, however you jump in, like the, the beauty that comes from that, like pushes you into the next three month cycle. And you can just like keep looking at it that way. And it aligns so closely too with our endocrine system. So like you get these new benefits all of a sudden, you're like, oh, well, that's worth doing this for a little bit longer and keep going. And it's just, it just, I think it, it's doable. It's, it's not intimidating. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in this really weird space where you like, you can't wait to eat your beans in the morning. You're like, (laughs) who is this person? Who am I? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it actually, it took me almost six months to jump on the psyllium husk train. I don't know why I was terrified of doing the psyllium husk. I just kept hearing about the like texture of it and it being very weird. But I got anyone who hasn't done that yet and is on the bean protocol and has not tried a psyllium husk first thing in the morning. 
that's where magic has happened. Like that is, <laughs> that is amazing. I've got my husband doing it. I've got anyone who will listen to me. I'm like, you need to go buy yourself some psyllium hot. <laughs> that is how you start your day now. And people come back and they're like, whoa, that was amazing. So it's been a very interesting path. It wasn't a straight line, you know, like, and I think that's, from what I hear a lot of your healing stories from your clients, it's the same way. Like you, everyone kind of has to take their own journey and journey. Right. And, but the magic waits for all of us, you know, like we might get there a little differently, slower, faster, but I feel like it's just, if there's something amazing that happens in this process that I just, I've never found in anything else. And I will not find in anything else because I won't be coming off of this. It's just, <laughs> it's just like, Eans and I are forever intertwined. There's something kind of magic knowing that the people who live the longest on planet Earth eat a lot of beans to me. Because I'm like, yeah. well, you've been around a lot longer than these, you know, scientific papers and blah, blah, blah. And this, you've been around and you're eating this way and you're the healthiest, longest living people, the, the blue zone people. There's something to be said for that missing component in the modern diet of soluble fiber. and and also, beans just have so many nutrients in it that it's just hard to deny their amazingness. And, you know, it's sad that we've had a few well-known health gurus talking poorly about them and lectins. And it's, and it's really not backed by science, you know, not in, a, in any real way, yet they've been able to really monetize this message and cause a lot of fear. And my comment is always don't fear the whole food fear the people fear mongering the whole food because it's just a oh, whole yeah. wonderful food and that's it and to kind of have a smear campaign about beans is always like why 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 right. Like, right. why they're the cheapest thing yeah. that you can go buy like they mean no harm like they're I've, cheap I, I for it like yeah. i was hardcore into went full on into the paleo world and i'm grateful because that was a great stepping stone and getting some sh getting the sugar out getting processed foods out i came to the bean protocol already having a really whole foods based diet and so it was a really great stepping stone but i really beans for me that was the thing that stuck with me as being something i was really afraid of i was literally afraid that they were harming my health and um it took your work and listening to both you and karen talk about what you know kind of debunking some of that lectin and phytic acid story about them and you know, I use, I do use a pressure cooker and soak them and, you know, properly prepare. But like, I'd even been taught in the Weston A. Price nutrition world and cert certified as a nutritional therapist to, to honestly, to learn how to make this body do what I want it to do. That was why <laughs> I did it. But even Weston A. Price talks about properly prepared beans. And, but I still like, I couldn't do it. I just, that narrative was too strong to say like that they were just this really horrible food. And I just, it's, it's really unfortunate because I missed out on years of really beneficial things. And, and I paid for it heavily with, with my health and with, and even being trained in the nutrition world in a holistic based nutrition program, I knew nothing about the process of clearing out toxins and hormones. Like what an amazing process that our body does. I had no idea it existed. And I, that was really what got me on board with the beans was because of that science of learning how the soluble fiber behaves in in your body to pull those things out. And I'm constantly doing things to help my liver and we're doing all these things as a family. And yet they're just recycling back into my body and just living there causing total chaos. And uh, But it was that. It was that science learning about that pathway and how soluble fiber works 
that really sold me on beans was because here is this like that the phytic acid story and the lectin story just couldn't compare to this biological need to pull things out. And that's when I was like, well, this sounds fascinating. And if I'm having all these issues that are really related to, you know, excess hormones and, and, and gut issues, well, then this is the only thing that can work. I've tried everything else. I, you know, like you've said, like the bean is the last thing you go for. <laughs> uh, you know, again, my husband's a firefighter. We're constantly trying to clear his body of the things that he's carrying around. And we have, you know, we're in the sauna and we're doing all these things. But the science of knowing that like you can you can clear your liver all you want, but if you're not getting it out, that's not doing anything. And it's so, just going around. Yeah. Ex- that was fascinating. The 95% stat of how much your bile gets recycled, that blew my mind. And that's what propelled me into trying it because i'm like you can't you can't argue with that that's that is science science physiology yeah yeah and that's fascinating what health imbalances did you come to the protocol with that you were looking to kind of help you with the biggest one was really really heavy periods and my cycle was awful at the time that i found the bean protocol and it and it's always been always heavy since I was a teenager. Like, God, if I could go back to teenage Laura and give her the bean protocol, man, life would have been so <laughs> good. But I've, I think I've struggled with excess estrogen my whole life. If I look back at everything I've gone through, I had migraines when I was a kid from my, every time my cycle came through, I, I'd end up a day out of school with a migraine and they've always been heavy. And, you know, I had, I had two kids and in that, and I had, I you know was lucky enough to have no issues conceiving and you know, between nursing and pregnancy, you know, I thought my cycle had kind of calmed down and that maybe I was kind of out of that. When I was done with my young, having my youngest and nursing, you know, my cycle just came back in a way that was almost debilitating. Like it just was not something I could, for two days out of that cycle, I was basically homebound because of what I was experiencing. And so, and I just, I had an unfortunate incident last summer that I was like, I can't do this anymore. There's something wrong that finally got me to go in and and seek help from a midwife. And they did a sonogram to find out I had a uterine polyp, which I don't understand why, but there's not a lot of information about polyps out there. There's a lot about fibroids and about cysts, but polyps are not like I tried to find so much information on like what was causing it? Why do I have it? And there's nothing. They don't they said they don't know why they're there. And I'm like, I'd already been listening to you and your podcast. And I'd already, I think, heard Karen talk about it. Not to the level that I know now, but I was like, that's that's bogus. We know what's causing it. Like there's an abundance of estrogen in my body causing this thing to grow when it shouldn't be. That made me realize, okay, there's something, there's something wrong. It needs to be addressed. But why is it wrong? You know, what I went to my midwife was like, we'll take, you know, we'll get rid of it, you know, essentially through surgical means or an inpatient procedure. But no one was talking about why at 38 I was growing, you know, a polyp. Like, why was that happening? You know, and they offered me like so many of the other healing stories. They offered me birth control, which I was already against for myself. It already didn't work for me in my 20s. I was just like, that's not a, that's not good enough. That's not that's not OK, because if I get this removed and I have surgery, then it's going to come back. This is going to be something I see again. And and if you don't have them removed, from what I understand, they become cancerous because they're a foreign object that's been growing at a, a very high rate. And so the bean protocol is, I think I, I had seen something about on Paleo OMG's blog where she was talking about her skin and she was kind of, she gave an overview of kind of what 
the bean protocol was and what it was helping. And I, I was like, I don't know what that is. But then I went down the rabbit hole of Unique Hammond and Karen Hurd and I got, <laughs> I got way lost. But it brought me to the, you know, to beans and to the protocol because I knew if I was going to go through with the surgery, which was in May, to have it removed. And then between getting it diagnosed and getting the surgery to have it removed, it had grown like three times. It had grown in size in that amount of time. Whoa. And I was like, that's not okay. So that's, that's too fast. And that's going to lead me down a path of cancer somewhere down the road. That was my assumption at the time was like, that's my dialogue. That's not something I want to mess with. And I, my mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer as a, at a younger age. So like, I already have this predisposition of probably an excess estrogen somewhere in my body and an out of balance system. So this, the B protocol I started when I was knew I was scheduling surgery as kind of like, all right, let's get, we're going to remove it. But then we're also going to back up my body with the tools it needs to do to heal and to not do this again. And I mean, the, the difference between May and now is, is just night and day. Like there's just no compare. My life doesn't look anything like it did prior to surgery and what I was going through every month that it does now. It's just, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's miraculous to have going from being debilitating for two days a, a month where things just, I can't even function to just like having no issues like that to me, you can't, can't beat that. And you can't put a price on it. And, and you created it. You know, I, I tell people, I'm like, don't believe me. Just, just try cutting out sugar, try cutting out caffeine. For some people, it's alcohol as well. And just see how you feel and, and then fortify your body with nutrients and nutrient density and soluble fiber to clear out toxins naturally. Some people feel detox effects. I would say it's 50 50 who does and who doesn't. I think part of it is withdrawal from caffeine and sugar as well, those detox feelings. Because to me, once I had, well, I had eliminated those things before I got on the protocol because I was just so sick. I didn't have a choice. But that feeling of calm that I got that you talked about, that eerie feeling of being embodied. What's that? I'm in my body. I hear my body. I don't feel just this low grade of anxiety all the time. And, you know, that feeling of calm. Calm is a superpower. Calm gives you the choice to respond instead of react. And to me, it's why I've stayed on this protocol for 10 years, not because it was the thing that I thought I was going to do at all. And I've stayed on it because I've never felt better. I'm addicted to this feeling of calm. Like I was addicted to my, my alcohol and my caffeine. I'm now more addicted to this sensation of I wake up feeling calm. I am in my life embodied and calm wow, I can live a calm, non-reactive life. That's really nice. So I think I'll keep doing that. And, you know, yeah. so anybody listening, these are our stories, but check it out. Go in, have a have a look around, eliminate some of these things that you don't think you're addicted to and, and just see how hard it is also. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's a fear about how to exist in a world that does not follow the BEAM protocol while doing the BEAM protocol. And now in the longevity part of it too, like, I think you build those skills along the way of learning how to exist in a world where like everyone I know drinks coffee and in abundance and I don't. So how do how am I going to show up to this space and still feel true to myself, but also, you know, included and same thing, you know, I've been I stopped drinking a couple of years ago just for again, my body was like rejecting it. So I had stopped and um, I live in a world where everyone drinks. So I think it's it's learning the confidence too to come with like to just not care enough about what other people are saying and 
care more about how you're how you're feeling and how you are experiencing your body. And I'm the only one who has to exist in this thing. So I really don't care if this if someone else is drinking or having coffee or offers something sweet. Like I just I I feel like that is a skill you have to build over time and it's a muscle to just be able to exist comfortably in your choices without feeling like you gotta bend to everything that comes along. And you know, and I think part of my longevity plan is like, you know, especially on the holidays, you know, I'll enjoy something here and there. But my question is always now, is it worth it? Like at this point in my healing journey, you know, sugar and I were broken up, but I'll allow it to come back in once or twice if it's something really meaningful. Someone made something I love. It's happening one time and that's it. But I, it has to be worth it. There has to be a conversation with me and me to say, does that feel like it's honoring my body and it feels okay. Am I in my body wanting this or am I in my head or in a space that's not serving me and then make that choice? But I think that's something you have to do over time. You have to get comfortable with other people's discomfort with what you're doing. And I think a lot of times, especially as women, we're like, no, you eat that or no, come on, drink that. Like there's a lot of pressure to engage in the social drinking, eating world, but it's usually only at the detriment to myself or or to my mental space like it really doesn't come with any benefit other than that momentary satisfaction of maybe community or whatever hit of caffeine I'm taking and I just think it takes that and going back to that maturity factor you have to kind of grow that muscle and learning how to just be uncomfortable with somebody being uncomfortable with your choices and especially if you've given those choices power in the past like I had i didn't want to make anyone uncomfortable. I was always constantly waiting to help, you know, make people feel good. And I usually sacrificed my wellness mentally and physically for the comfort of someone else. And part of this journey is saying, you know, I no longer am going to do that. I don't judge you on whatever choices you're making. I fully like accept you as you. But in doing that, I'm also going to honor me and take this path for myself, even if that makes you uncomfortable or even if I'm not you know, eating the things that you're trying to get permission for yourself to eat or drink. And I think that just it comes back to that word maturity. I feel like that is the guiding overarching theme for this protocol, this path is, you know, choosing yourself and your wellness over everything else. That is so beautiful and so well said. And I just want to pile on that by saying it's maturity, but it is also self-love. It's self-love to be present in that moment and love somebody, but still not do what they want you to do and still choose you. Thank you so much for offering this to me. I really appreciate it. I'm going to pass it this time. You know, that takes a lot of self-love. But also what I want to touch on, too, is it takes experimenting with your protocol, a being how you feel on it, a being how you feel off of it choosing with love to feel a certain way in your life and no longer want the old way, right? So there's a lot, there's experimenting there, there's affirmation there. And then once you choose to feel better, instead of feeling crappy or ha- or kind of like anxious or whatever alcohol or caffeine does and sugar does in your body, that's what it does in my body, choosing to feel calm, embodied, choosing to take care of myself is an act of self-love, but it also was a la- it was an act of inquiry, how do I feel this? Oh, yeah, that's how I used to feel all the time. I don't want to feel that way anymore. I want to feel this way, right? It, so it's it's maturity, it's confidence, but also it's functioning not from restriction because when we try to restrict something, ultimately we'll bust out of restriction. 
that is the nature of any person who has a little bit of rebellion in them, right? So if you try to hold something, it becomes tiring to hold something. If it's not coming from a place of love for self or true belief in what you're doing, you're just holding yourself together until you can't anymore. To me, it's getting to the place where you love the way you feel so much that A, it's not restriction to not have sugar or alcohol or whatever. It's love. It's love and care. And then if you choose to have that piece of pie and you're going, yeah, I want that. And that's it. I am healthy and I am choosing this in this place of health and I feel good about it. That's beautiful too. To me, it's not about a path of perfection. Like perfectionism is a trauma response. To be perfect is a trauma response, right? So it's not about, am I perfect on my protocol? And if I'm not, I don't love myself. No, it's I'm healthy. I'm choosing to have this. I'm choosing in this moment to commune with you in this way. But sugar doesn't have a hold on me because I don't have a relationship with sugar. Sugar isn't how I comfort myself. Sugar isn't how I validate myself. This moment, I'm choosing this with you and I can go another two weeks before I choose it again or a month or a year. Who knows, right? Like, But there's a sense of flow and ease versus a good, bad, you know, I didn't do my protocol perfectly. You're suddenly just living in the moment, in the present, on your path of health and wellness and choosing in any given moment in a present way. Does that make sense? It does, because you actually really challenged my idea about restriction. Having been someone who's balanced back from restricted to over-consuming, and I really swung in one direction or the other always, I would restrict, 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 and then I would explode. And I would, with this pendulum would swing the other way until I got so sick of that, and I would come back to restriction. I never sat in the middle. And there was always a sense of panic that came with that feeling. And when you started questioning and, you know, via your Instagram or your post or your podcast saying like, is it restrictive, the bean protocol, or is it choosing wellness? Because there's a very big difference. And I think the difference for me is how it makes me feel. Bean protocol is limiting the things that are coming in, sure, which could be termed as restrictive, but it also brings a sense of calm and peace with it because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm death gripping the restrictive. Like I'm, I'm not holding on so tight before I explode again. And that's been the biggest difference for me in trying to reframe what restriction feels like. The bean protocol for me is not restrictive. Yes, it removes sugar and alcohol and caffeine, which the old me would have kind of phrased that as restrictive. I've, you know, done several variations of these kind of elimination diets, but because it comes with the, the added benefit of calm and kind of serenity, steadiness, I don't feel like I'm death gripping my food and no, I'm not going to have that because I can't. It's like, no, I don't I don't want that because it's not good from this body right now. And I feel really good not choosing to eat that or drink that. I feel like as a culture, we've we've really ruined the word restrictive and we've made it this like evil thing. And so that when you're choosing to not engage and you're choosing to feel good, that word still carries around that really kind of dark connotation. And and so does the word self-love with the use before. Like we've now as a culture turned self-love into having the cake and drinking the fancy coffee. And, you know, that's been deemed self-love when really it's it's like, you know, self-sabotage every time. And I've had to really learn how to rephrase those terms, self-love and restriction and wellness and kind of reframe it so that it's supporting what I want instead of taking away. Because up until this point, I can tell you that every time I went down that path, it just stripped me of whatever I was trying to achieve in the first place. It'd be great for a couple of weeks. And then I would just, I would tailspin and I would end up a hot mess, more anxious, more stressed, more frustrated than before. And I think that's the beauty of what this path kind of has taken me down is 
all of these things, they're still there. I'm still restricting those same things, but it's coming with peace and steadiness that come from restriction and the term that we're, you know, we're talking about now. Right. Right. It's almost exclusion. It's excluding these things, you know, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. So I'll tell you where I'm at in my healing journey. 10 years on the protocol. I'm on a longevity plan. If I want fruit, I have fruit. I personally don't eat a lot of fruit because I can feel what my nervous system does with it. I have type 2 diabetes deeply in my family. And even in my genetic testing, it's like, oh, you're predisposed, right? I can feel the way sugar responds to my body. Again, I don't put it in a bad category. I just choose not to feel that way in my body because I don't like the way it feels. But in the summertime when blueberries are in season, that's usually my jam. I'll have blueberries. You know, I don't restrict. There's nothing that I can't choose into if I want it. If I choose to want something, I have it. Does it mean I have it? But I don't have an addictive relationship to food anymore. So if I choose into like, I don't have any food allergies, which is insane because when you have something like Crohn's disease that deteriorates your gut, most people have food sensitivity. I had a list, a laundry list. Basically, the doctor, when they read my sensitivities, was like, you can't eat anything without a response, yeah. a reaction, right? Because my tight junctions were blown open and food was just going directly into my bloodstream without any filtration system or breaking yeah, down. Yeah, your immune system was just on fire. My immune system, I had, I had hives all over my body, you know, and and so I actually don't have any food sensitivities anymore. I can eat dairy if I want dairy. I can eat bread if I want bread. I can eat gluten if I want gluten. And, you know, it shows you the power of a healed tight junctions in your gut, a healed mucosal lining, that your body is no longer attacking things from the whole natural world, right? So now in my world today, I choose things. If I go to a friend's birthday party, I'll sit with that moment when they say, do you want cake? And you can all sit with it and I'll go, do I want cake? No, I'm good. Thank you. Not... I'm not going to have cake. I don't even plan it. I don't even think about it, right? It's in that moment. I sit with it. I get present with my body and I choose from a place of, do I want this? Do I, not does my mind want it? Because, you know, not the little kid in me that's like, what? Okay. The mature adult in me that's like, I feel really great. Do I want cake? No, I'm really good. And I'll go with my family, my husband and my kids when they're in town and they'll all go for ice cream. Mom, do you want ice cream? And I sit with it. It's not like, oh, I'm not going to get ice cream. I already know this. It's more I get there, I sit with it, I smell it, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Does that mean that there won't be a time where I choose into it? Sure, I give myself that that flexibility to be present to whatever moment I'm in, and I'm present to it. You know, I feel better. I, I sit with that for a moment, and I go, how do I feel when I have it, and how do I feel when I don't? Well, I feel really good when I don't. I think I'm going to say no to this. Okay, no, thank you. You know, so it's, I guess that lands into the maturity category where I don't have any rules now, but I also have my North Star. My North Star Mm -hmm. is no flares for life. And as a person with an autoimmune disorder, Crohn's disease, that's a big deal. Any doctor will tell you once you have it, you have flares for the rest of your life. So I'm a rebel and I'm like, "Mm, I'm not going to have any flares for life. (laughs) Not this girl. And I'm going to live in such a way that allows me to not ever have a flare ever again. And it's within my control, right? So if I start choosing into sugar, I can go down that pathway and go, ah, sugar increases inflammation in the body, this is the immune system. Hmm, I can follow that thread. Does it mean one piece of pie is going to do that? No, it doesn't. But I sit with it in that moment and I go, I have this North Star. 
I have two North Stars, actually. One of them is No Flares for Life. And the other one is the last decade of my life, I want to be healthy and strong. I don't want to be in diapers. So what can I do now that can backcast that last decade of life? I show up every day in my life for myself, for my clients, for my family, for my community, and I feel amazing. That's right the here and now. But then I also have that North Star of my day-to-day choices create my health. My day-to-day choices set me up for what I want most, which is no flares for life. So I have these guiding North Stars that keep me far away from the sense of lack, but in this incredible space of empowerment. And to me, that's the difference between restriction as a, I can't have this, isn't good for me. I can't have this to, I'm choosing not to have this because I love the way I feel and I don't want to feel like crap. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, and I think that's where the Bean Protocol is really cool because it, you know, for me in my early journey of not drinking and, you know, I didn't quit drinking because I had a problem. I quit drinking because it was no longer something that served me. And, you know, in finding my path with disordered eating, like it's all led to this space of like, you can kind of track yourself out like you were talking about with your North Star. You can look and say like, all right, if I eat this, you know, how am I going to feel in a couple hours, a couple days? Like, where am I going to lead that? Well, I know for me, sugar is my, my gateway to disordered eating behavior. So mm. like, I can tell you if I'm going to enjoy sugar, I'm going to tell you that in a week from then, things are going to creep in over that week. And at the end of that week, I'm going to be in a bad spot and I don't want to be there. So I have to look forward. And that same thing with the alcohol. And I know that's something they teach a lot in alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous is like, track your way out. What does that look like? You drank that drink. What does it look like? It looks like a pretty shitty outcome farther down the road. But what does it look like if you choose not to do the thing that sabotages your health and well-being? What does it look like to say no to that ice cream with my family, which I did for the first time on the Bean Protocol, was like, no. And you know what? It, my stomach wasn't upset and I didn't feel awful the next day. And I wasn't like crazy sugar cravings for like three or four days that I had to fight down and like, like, oh, you know, <laughs> and like, you got to give yourself a chance to see what that feels like to not choose the thing to know what that feels like to be able to track that out the next time. But if you keep having the thing, you never get the peace from choosing differently. And to to be able to say like, you know what? I actually don't feel good when I eat that thing. Even though my whole family loves it, it's a great experience. I can still sit here and, and be part of it without having to sacrifice my stomach and, and the way I feel and the way it checks things off, you know, mentally. And And that's just something I think, again, comes back to that word maturity, being able to look that far ahead and say to that small inner child, like, no, we don't need to gorge ourselves on that ice cream because guess what? And tomorrow we're going to feel like rock stars if we turn it down. But it's getting that little voice to to kind of just stop talking for a little while to be able to settle in and see. But you'll never know how good you feel without those things until you give yourself a real shot, a real honest shot of not doing them. And and that's what this gave me. This gave me the, the protocol, gave me that shot to say, like, what does what does life look like in a body that, you know, has chosen wellness? What does that look like to not be ping ponging back and forth? And, you know, in my 20s, I, you know, I suffered from terrible IBS. My whole life I've had eczema like crazy. You know, this is my first winter where I'm going into the winter. I have no eczema, like not like not even a little bit. And I've heard some of your awesome healing stories with eczema, but like I always had hot spots that even with a great diet, they always showed up. First winter I'm going in, we're like, none of those hot spots are there. And there's like, even though I know what it feels like when they're coming, like I've had it long enough to know what eczema, like it, it's about to show up. And like, same thing. I know when that's happening, my immune system, my gut lining is 
not strong and it's not solid and it's saying time to you've got to pull that in your fermented foods and you're going to slow down whatever the thing you're doing that it's not working but but I think it's being able to see that long term and but you never get to that place of seeing long term until you've tried it until you've given that, that experimentation you're talking about until you have given myself an opportunity to really know what that body feels like without those things I don't ever get a chance to grow that that muscle that maturity that only comes with doing those hard things that feel uncomfortable in the moment yeah and you and again well said you're really articulate about your process and the process of healing really because that that's what it is but your capacity to sit with it and to say yes in this moment i call it the mouth party as you know yes it would be an amazing mouth party but what happens downstream and that's the thing we seldom talk about is what happens downstream it's what we don't socialize talk and talk about oh yeah when I eat ice cream, I have horrible stanky farts or my belly is bloated or I'm constipated, but man, it was worth it. It was worth it. You know, and it's like, hey, how's that worth it? But to to sit with it and to be empowered. Also, I think your capacity to give up alcohol and then still socialize, probably that was where you began to build the muscle of, oh, I can sit with you at an ice cream parlor and not have an ice cream and still be present and still experience this joy all together and not have it myself. Like, that's an amazing thing to do. That's an amazing thing to do. That's an amazing gift to give yourself. And then also the gift of being with them and just celebrating that moment all together. I, I don't feel the need to drink socially. I don't feel the need to eat ice cream socially. Like, I'm just like, yeah, hey, I feel good. You feel good. That's what we're here for, right? Right. And it's beautiful to be able to settle in so comfortably into yourself to know that you don't need that drink to be fun. Like I can still go to a bar and sing karaoke or sing at the top of my lungs. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with being that person sober. I'm also okay with going to those places where everyone else is having the thing. I'm not having the thing and still converse and not sit like the weird person in the corner. Like I can, <laughs> I can do that. And that's, but like, that means I have to be totally okay it with myself to be able to, to sit with that. And like, I highly recommend if, if, People are struggling with their relationship with food like I did. Like, find someone to talk to about it. Like, and that also was part of my process, too, is like I worked with someone who was, you know, certified in working with be food relationships and learning how to kind of dissect what was happening. Why was I going to those things for so long? Like, why did I have that disordered relationship? Because it, being, being protocol gave me a really amazing foundation, but there was a lot of work to do underneath that to understand where those habits came from, where those emotional coping skills came from. And I think that's not, we, you know, we're more accepting of counseling, we're more accepting of talking and journaling, but I'm not sure there's enough people who are saying like, that's an okay part of the process too. If you have to get, you know, if I'm reaching out to you and getting a coach or getting a therapist to work through that because Food is not just food. It's emotional and it's spiritual and there's so many layers. And that's where I just feel like it's a process that you have to just chip away at. And if that involves somebody else to kind of help ask the hard questions or help you maybe go back way farther than you ever thought they would, that's a really important step too. And you might not get there on your own the way you could if you asked for some help in, in spaces that confuse you like I got tired of my shit long enough to be like I need someone else's help like I can't sort through this stuff so let's let's hire somebody who 
is maybe a professional at this. And like, that's why I got your program too. Cause like, Hey, I can, I could weed through this science too, but like, why not hire someone who's helped so many other people do it? Why, why would I just not accept that help too? So I think that's, there's just so much to it that it might not just be the food. It might be so much more than that. Uh, as food is seldom about nourishment, right? If food was just about nourishment, then we would only eat what resulted in vitality, energy, and resilience, right? We would eat for those things yeah. because of how we want to feel, not how we want to look, not comfort, not sadness, not anger. We wouldn't be eating out of emotion. We would be eating simply out of how do I want to feel? And to me, food was never about food. Food was how am I validating myself? How am I comforting myself? I'm sad. I'm going to eat poorly. Why am I treating myself badly on top of already feeling bad? Like, why am I, why is that? But right. So you are so correct. So if anybody listening is struggling with their relationship with food, talk to a therapist, talk to a counselor, get a coach. Start to untangle it. There's no shame in it. Most women in the world, I have a global practice. Most most of my clients, 95% of my clients come with a disordered eating background. Why is that? Because we have a disordered world that prizes skinny culture. If you come from a family of trauma, how do you deal with trauma? A lot of times it's eat food or restrict food. There's so many layers and it can be so complex to untangle and put food in its place, which is not an ideology. It's not sacrificing your food for an ideology. It's, do I feel resilient? Do I feel energetic? Do I have the energy for my life? Are my hormones balanced? Like eat for health versus eat for emotion. And, and to me, that was a huge transition back home was, yes, I'm going through this process of healing my body, but I'm also going through the process of understanding my disordered relationship to my body to how I nourish my body, it's, it can be very complex. So please get some help so that you can stop worrying about food. I don't think about food anymore. I know what I'm going to eat to nourish my body because I know what feels the best. So what variation it's going to be today, that's the only question mark. But now that I don't worry about food because I feel energetic, resilient, nourished, now I have all of this extra space that I used to obsess with food to do other things. Yes. Yes, that I'm so, yeah, that's such an important thing to mention too. That's, that's my, that's my space too. It's like, there was a lot of noise occupied in my brain about food, about what I was going to eat, what I wasn't going to eat, all of those things. And, and we're really set up to fail. I mean, we have a food system that sets us up to fail. If you are like 81% of our culture that is metabolically dysfunctional, like you are, you are in a system that's designed not to nourish you and keep you well. So it's, it's kind of learning how to unlearn all of that, that we've been carrying around for so long. And, and that's what it's been about is unlearning. It's like peeling away all the stuff that I've carried with me for so long that was just not true and getting to truth. And that's what I feel like where I am now is that I exist in a space of truth of what nourishes me. I know what makes me feel good. I know how to treat the body that I want to be in because I've heard you talk about this for like, I'm now, you know, I'm in my late 30s. I'm, I'm done having kids. Like I'm prepping for menopause here. Like we're, I'm still a good ways away from it. But like, I would love to go into that phase of life and not have it suck. Like that would be awesome. But like, I know how to do that. That's the, like, what an amazing thing is like, I have no doubt in my mind that I'm setting myself up 
for a path of healing and wellness and vibrant, you know, a vibrancy that I have never felt. And I think so many of us are just operating in a system that's not made for that. That we're not made to feel vibrant and, you know, healthy and in love with how we feel in our skin and and those things. So I think we're just we're all just walking around pretty sad and uncomfortable. And and like you, like I know what I'm gonna eat every day. It might look a little different. The bean might change, you know, the vegetable might change, but for the most part, I know what it's gonna look like and I don't have to waste any energy being like, you know, oh, what's it gonna be today? Like how are like what am I eating today? What am I not eating today? I got too much other stuff going on. Like food can't occupy that much space, but it has for a long time. Um, and that's where so much of the anxiety came from because it was just a churning with nowhere to go. It just kind of constantly the same noise, the same patterns, just constantly on repeat. And I think the beam protocol was when I finally was like, I'm tired of this. Like I'm, I, I want to push pause. And I feel like I've been living in that space of just a gentle pause on the noise, on the anxiety, on the, the chaos that I found myself around food. And, and that just doesn't have, it doesn't have to be that way. It, it does, it can look differently than every other person, you know, and how they re- react around food. Like, I know where my bean people are. Most of them are on Instagram or on the internet. Like, I don't know a lot in real life, but like, I know where to go for a community of people who feel the same way and who have, who talk a different truth than the one we've been sold. That's making us all pretty miserable. If you're, if you're just dabbling, if you're just dipping your toe in this protocol and you've listened to the podcast and the books and all the things, you've heard Lacey's podcast, you like you've done all the things, you've gathered all the information, but you haven't taken the step to actually try it and give it a real shot and give yourself a real shot, this is your call to do that. This is, I'm telling you, it's worth it. You're worth it, but you got to go all in because the magic only happens when you've truly chosen yourself and your health and your wellness but dabbling just it it won't get you there and i spent 25 years dabbling and to go all in is scary it's intimidating but it was magic and it still is magic and i'm i i get excited about what's coming in the next phase of this because i don't carry with me the fear and unknowns anymore and i would love that gift for anyone else to feel peaceful and steady in their body and around food. I recently heard somebody say also that you don't know what the outcome is going to be until you go all in. That question mark just hangs in the air when you're dabbling of how good can I actually feel? Will this actually make a difference? And really it's going all in that changes that from a question mark into an answer. And with that answer, you can either choose it as a lifestyle or confront what might get in the way of you choosing it as a lifestyle or just incorporating some of the tools and the knowledge of it. But we don't know until we go all in how we're really going to feel. And I think that's where the real magic happens. So thank you. I agree. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you are doing well and taking care of yourself wherever you are in this beautiful world. I am continuing to take some clients on in the new year. So if you are interested in receiving one-on-one support, I have coaching packages. And I also create personalized protocols to address 
Whatever health you are looking to address, whether it's just get healthier, create better habits, tackle a hormonal imbalance, autoimmune disorder, gut health, you name it, whole foods are such an incredible support system for creating balance in the human body.